Yeah, we're recording with my bullets. Okay, welcome to episode 00043. Um, we are coming to you recording live in Montreal. It is Saturday, June 8th. Yep. Um, we've just watched qualifying. We've had a hard day in the sun. Our taste beds are beat up. Uh, we're relaxing to a little, some super bad and some zen. Um, I'm joined here by Andrew. Thrilled to be here. Thrilled to have you here. <laughs> uh, joined by John as well. Hello, hello. Uh, having some gnarled vine zin. Very strong. And then in lieu of Rob this evening, we have a very, very special guest. Uh, Drumroll, please. Uh, please introduce yourself, special guest. My name is Scott. I've never listened, but I'm excited to be on the pod. Back, maybe two truths and a lie. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, why don't you hit us with two, two truths and a lie? Let's see if we can. Catch. We've all done it. Yeah. Gotta do it wow, on the spot. Two <laughs> truths and a lie. Christ. <laughs> we do it for what, what is the point of the two truths and a lie? Who's gonna answer it? You two? You three? Yeah, yeah. we'll answer yeah, it. We'll yeah. answer it. <laughs> you already know what the truths and lies are. <laughs> Surprise us. Surprise yeah. us. Uh, tonight we're brought to you not only by gnarled vine wine, but also by Grizzly Wintergreen Pouches. Um, That's Charlie's only. Uh, no one else is touching that. And also <laughs> by Prototype, uh, another Zin <laughs> Vindel. So well, why don't we we can we can come back to well, the future's why? <laughs> I don't I don't have anything. I don't know. I have nothing interesting about me. That's not By true. the end of this episode... First lie. That's a go. Oh, good lie. <laughs> <laughs> By the end of this episode, we'll, we'll come back to this. So, um, yeah, why don't... Uh, John, why don't you take us away? Like, how did we get up here? You know, yeah, just, just recap what we're doing. And John, say everything. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so, we, we've been making this trip up, uh, and this year we... Met Andrew at uh, a commuter rail station. Mm -hmm. Charlie and I work out of the Burlington uh, area now. And so we, uh, when we're going north, the best thing for us to do is to meet someone at a commuter rail stop, pick them up, very easy jaunt up up north. Andrew, where did we meet you? The um, Woburn-Anderson Woburn stop. We've been there twice now. Great place. It was actually... Uh, donut day, so we got uh, large iced coffees and a free. I got an old fashioned donut. What kind of donut did you get, Andrew? Two old fashioned donuts, um, gratis. I'd like, to, I'd like to chime in. Uh, Andrew would like to chime in already. Okay. So I think I'm going to have a word with Dunkin' Donuts because um, John was just offered a, a free donut after ordering his coffee. Friendly guy, yeah. Luckily for me, John told me this happened. I walk up to the counter, say, I'd like a iced coffee, gave him a little wink, kind of thinking, all right, well, you know, then the donut's coming, right? Nothing after that. I say, I would also like a donut. At which point he says, oh, I'm glad you said something. It's free today. Why wouldn't he just tell me that it was free and offered to me right away? I agree. It was a weird move because he, <laughs> he did the same thing. Maybe he thought we were the same person. I, I don't know. Anyway. We pick Andrew up, then we do a quick jaunt up uh, to uh, Montreal. We had a stop for dinner in Burlington, uh, Vermont, 
this great place, uh, what was it, Al's? Al's Fries. I would recommend this to most people. If you're going to get a full dinner, though, um, you may think a double cheeseburger is enough. I would go for maybe two double cheeseburgers. They're more like sliders. Yeah. Can we agree with that? Absolutely. And then they do have an ice cream shop um, off the side. So stop there, get your fix. I had a coffee and a waffle cone. It's a dollar extra, but worth it. A Andrew? Um, I don't know. At what point did you hit us with the terrible news? I was going to get to that. Okay, I think it was before Al's. You're beating around the bush. It was before Al's. Well, okay. I mean, so <laughs> Andrew brings up uh, a topic that we discussed on the drive up. I think that was the only reason that I was given the mic to talk about this, to be honest. But um, on the drive up, Andrew and Charlie mentioned that they'd like to stop at uh, Alchemist Brewery on the way back down uh, on, on Monday to get some heady toppers. I At that point, I knew I needed to come clean about something. There's something I needed to get off my chest. Not only can we not do that. Okay. So... <clears throat> I knew, uh, I think Wednesday, I, ha I got an invite for a meeting that needed to take place at 10 a.m. Monday morning. Now, if you Google map this, it it's a it's a roughly a five-hour drive to get to Boston. Can I add something real quick? Please, here? go ahead. Just as a point of reference, Andrew and I both have are, have taken the day off. Monday, that is. So, just wanted to add that I color. I like to just... Real quick. Sorry, I know I keep chilling this here, but Charlie and I were, I don't think the listeners really appreciate our mental state. We're sitting in the front row, talking about Hey Topper, thinking about Monday. We all realize, we all believe that we have the day off. Why don't we take a leisurely trip back, stop, pick up a nice four pack, maybe get some food. Oh man, what a day that would be, Charlie. See the great state of Vermont. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're driving through Vermont. It's so green. It's beautiful. The rolling hills. We were really going to enjoy ourselves. Poetic. And then, uh, where were you, John? So, <laughs> I mentioned that I need to get back. Uh, I need to be back in Boston or Burlington area for uh, a, a mid-morning call. Let's, mid call. let's call it that. So, and I did. I didn't. Uh, I did not tell the guys this before we left Boston. For you know, a couple of reasons. One, I didn't want to spoil their day. Two, I thought they may leave me there, and then I wouldn't have a way of getting up to Montreal and back. So I, I hit them with this uh, midway up the trip, realizing that they may be a little upset about it. But listen, I pulled the bandaid off. We got through it. I, I you know. As my one of my favorite sayings now, I've told these guys, if you can't get out of it, get into it. And that's what they're doing, and I applaud them for that. So, thank you. <laughs> this probably doesn't... Rip the bandaid off is not not harsh enough. Maybe rip the stitches out. Uh, I don't know. Something more extreme. Yeah, pull the catheter out, something like that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I, st I, for, I think for a good 10 minutes after, <laughs> I still thought John was joking. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, that's, that's a good one. As you can tell, Andrew and I still haven't fully recovered. Um, He'll be fine. So before we get into today and the race, or sorry, qualifying, got any highlights, lowlights of your trip up? Uh, highlights and lowlights. Uh, I did not stop for dinner because I was hauling ass up here. Uh, <laughs> I, I lost like... 
uh, at least 40 minutes in Jersey. Uh, the traffic patterns are not great in and around uh, the tri-state area. Uh, I was telling Andrew about one instance where I was looking at Google Maps, and it was like, if you take this left, you'll get there in six hours. If you take the right, it'll be 43 minutes slower. I was looking up, and it was like, the left turn is closed. It's like, you cannot make this left turn. And I was like, sitting there, and I was like, are you telling me I'm really going to be 43 minutes slower? I had like just left like 15 minutes earlier. I was like, okay, so this six-hour trip is going to take seven hours. And uh, sure enough, it took seven hours. <laughs> so let's chalk that up to lowlights. Um, okay, so it's Saturday. We went to qualifying today. To set the scene, we showed up around 12.30. No, 11.30 uh, for a 2 o'clock qualifying Beautiful day out today, uh, mid to high 70s, I would say, blazing hot sun. Yes. Um, the, those grandstands are not Global easy. Warming. So we're sitting Everyone at needs. the hairpin turn. I want to, Grandstand 15, I'm not sure exactly what turn it is, but it's the Rescus? north side of the north end of the track, hairpin to the back end straight. Um, did you want to say something before I get into qualifying results and breaking down the cues? I was going to say, yeah. I, it was quite hot. Um, I changed my wardrobe no less than four times before we left the house today. Um, but I was glad. I think everyone, if you're going to the race tomorrow, you'll probably hear this after the race is over. <laughs> but wear shorts. <laughs> wear shorts, wear sunscreen. It's going to be a nightmare. Um, okay. So, um, qualifying. Let's talk about qualifying. Um, so, let's Q3. Uh, no real surprises. Kubica and, and Russell at the very bottom. The Williams is just an, an inferior car. Um, sorry, yeah, Q1. Raikkonen and then the two Force Indias are also knocked out in, in Q1. Um, where does Force India take it from here? I, I, they're having a disappointing year. You mean Racing, racing Point? point? <laughs> sorry, damn it. Racing Point? That other podcast that we listen to that shall not be named has got me all screwed up. Um, racing point where do they go from here because i think um supposedly they have more money but it sounds like this team is maybe too bloated who knows yeah i mean uh those fans so this is the fun thing about seeing these races in person especially because it's the canadian grand prix everyone there's a huge lance stroll grandstand that i don't know why we didn't get seats for that but we didn't and this guy doesn't even set a lap in, in qualifying. It's pathetic. So I set a lap? No, that's that free practice. Oh, free practice. Okay. And where did he get eliminated in qualifying? Yeah, Q1. Okay. So he he didn't do much there either. Um, I don't think they go anywhere really. I mean, I, I don't think they have the leadership. They're being run by the billionaire daddy, and I, I think that compromises you. So uh, I don't like the direction personally. Yeah. So for the backstory. Um, Stroll had, I think, a hydraulics issue, hydraulics leak maybe, in free practice three. His car was on fire briefly, um, so he did not set any laps or any times in free practice, which normally you think might factor into the lack of a decent qualifying, but uh, the fact that Checo was also eliminated in Q1 is uh, not a good sign. Yeah, pretty pretty pathetic. It is amazing how many Lance Stroll fans there are, considering how bad how bad his team is. But they seem pretty loyal. Um, 
I can't believe. I'm just looking at these times. Kubica, dead last again. Four seconds slower per lap than the pace setters. How is that possible? They don't have an aero package on that car. It's like they, they have no downforce in that car. It's pathetic. They have the same engine that. Or they have the same engine as Mercedes, the best but, car. But he's also like eight tenths of a second slower than uh, Russell. Well, he's got, only has one arm. Wow. What? <laughs> Is that not a fair? I mean, I, have to edit that I mean, the that guy sucks. has two arms. That's that's. Uh, that's uh, John. Um, I, Sky, well, what's your impression of uh, the pink, the Pink Panthers out there? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Is there a one-armed guy driving? <laughs> Kinda, yeah. He had a serious accident. Maybe <laughs> nine years ago? Yeah. And he almost lost his head. Like, basically the arm was severed. He um, drove rally cars, and he got in a very bad accident. And I think his arm got like, partially severed. He sewed it back together like Frankenstein. Yeah. And now he's driving F1 cars and is in dead last every race. What do you think? Uh, seems... Uh... <laughs> Seems gratuitous for John to call a one-armed driver. No, 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 no. I agree with John. I think he's. Wow, <laughs> I, think, I think he's dead on. He's doing the best he can with one arm. Is this like a robot arm or is? No, it's it's a real arm. It's, real arm. it's like a go-go gadget arm. Like Anakin. Well, let's get. <laughs> let's keep going with qualifying. Okay, so um, that's Q one. Pretty uneventful. Q2 was quite eventful, I'd say. So you start to see the people that you expect to drop off in Q2, like the Toro Rossos, although they can fight. So they, they're both eliminated. Uh, Giovinazzi is also eliminated. A little bit of a surprise is Grosjean, who is in actually 15th spot. But I'm, I'm bearing the lead here, obviously. Max Verstappen gets caught out and eliminated in Q2. He did not set a fast enough time early in the session. Um, and then when everybody was going around their flying lap with less than a minute to go, he was towards the back of that pack. And as it turned out, Magnussen, who is in the front of that pack, also trying to set a fastest lap, ended up crashing into the wall of champions doing a maybe a 180 or a 90 degree skidding across the the finish line and it was a red flag so Verstappen gets caught out uh, maybe some of the other folks did maybe Kofiad and Albon could have set and Grosjean could have set faster times but the obviously the the newsmaker was Verstappen who has a top four top five car um, so yeah Magnussen I guess I, I to go into this I, I think Verstappen I think the the body FIA could look into a system to maybe bump for stopping into top ten when something like that happens, where it's clear that the guy who crashes is not going to be racing in Q one. Maybe I'm saying this because it's Red Bull and Verstappen. I wanted them there, but that was my gut reaction. I I, I needed him there. I, I mean, you're definitely saying that because that's Verstappen. I mean, I I hear what you're saying. Um. Why? I, why can't they do something where anyone who's out on a on a fast lap gets to I don't somehow gets to finish a gets to finish a fast lap once the debris, debris is cleared? Could they do? Could they do that? I, I mean, I I like where your head's at for sure. I mean, I, I think that's fair. I mean, how how do you say if someone's doing a fast lap? Not I, I don't know. If but you're out there. 
I agree. Um, and I think Max had at least one purple sector, meaning he was the fastest person out there. So he was going to get into Q3. Yeah, we knew that. It's just, you know, it's tough that it happens. So I'm, you know, it's gutting, you know, I'm gutted because I'm a Red Bull fan, but I, that's just racing. So it is what it is. I don't think we need to change the rules for it. Any reaction, Scott, to Q2? You were out in the stands. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of confusion out in the stands. Uh, I don't know. Some drunk guys behind us thought we're stopping. Crash. Crash. Yeah. Not true. Just and the guy, obviously, the the smarter guys around him were like, well, that's a Haas car. I was like, yeah. Do you want to explain um, the issue John had with the water in the movie? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this is good. Uh, so we're... So we were trying to get to our seats. Uh, we we went to the wrong side. I would say we had Charlie to go. Led us Charlie led us astray. Yes, yeah, yes, I did. And so we had to go across a bunch of people. John's hauling our cooler. <laughs> huge and cooler. I, I'm behind him. It was a huge cooler. Uh, I I see the water starts to drip out, and <laughs> I, I couldn't act fast enough. I didn't know how to stop it, but he. He started tripping over some people. <laughs> the water comes dripping out right onto this guy and then onto his wife. <laughs> I, I mean, it was pretty hot out there. I think they were relieved to get this cool water on them. It was a shock, but they liked it. Uh, do it again tomorrow then. Okay. <laughs> it's all no, it, they'll, they'll enjoy it. I had to climb over... 30 people to get to our seat. Yeah. This this is a Yeti cooler, so that water must have been ice cold. Yes. The the guy was like standing up. I thought he was about to come at you and fight you. Cold clock you. Yeah. He, he, standing knew, he, there he knew better. He, he looked at me and he knew better. So he put that <laughs> yeah, yeah. His wife had a ton of tattoos, right? Oh, yeah. Covered. That's Canada for you, you know? Oh, wow. wow. Um, <laughs> John's racking up the strikes here. Um, I'd like actually, Scott, your interpretation of this as a a newer fan of the sport. You're of course a fan. I we've talked about this before, but they need to set. They need to distinguish the drivers in each of the cars. They have the numbers on the fins, and a few teams are better than others. Like Mercedes is very clear. You can see Ferraris if you're like paying attention. Renault, you can see if you're paying attention. I could not really see Red Bull. Red Bull's impossible. Red Bull's Alfa Romeo's impossible. Alfa Romeo's impossible. Uh, Toro Rosso's impossible. I think they need to put different paint schemes to separate the drivers or something really distinguishing so you can tell who's from who. But I, I was curious on like your confusion about what was going on on track. Scott. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Uh, how did you tell the difference between the like Mercedes cars? You said that was easy. If you look at the Finn... Uh, of the car, the back. The it says the number. So Bottas has seventy-seven. You Hamilton has forty-four. Yeah, it's 44. insane. It's insane. I have to know these two numbers: yes. seventy-seven and forty-four. Just, yeah, uh, just now you know it. I mean, I've seen forty-four around. I mean, Lewis is my guy. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I agree. I think that is confusing. Um, I don't know. Like, the, there's also like the, yeah. I think a lot of there's just like not enough like TVs around like. There was a jumbo trauma. Like you couldn't read anything, so like I had a hard time like keeping track of like what what was going on most of the time. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot to be desired from the on track experience. It's fun to be there, but it's very hard to follow what's happening on the track. You need your phone and the F one app. So I think at the NASCAR race we went to, and maybe they did the same thing here at F one. I'm not sure, but they had the headsets, and that we thought were very. 
that was hugely helpful for us in, in terms of tracking where people were, what was going on in the race. I'm not sure if they had the same thing for F1, but I think that would be helpful too. Okay, um, so let's, I agree, um, let's wrap up qualifying here. Um, I think we'll, so Renault and McLaren's are kind of rounding out the bottom, and Magnussen, who never got it, never set a lap, so he's 10th. Norris and Sainz are 8-9. Hulkenberg is 7. So Botas skidded out on one of his early fast laps um, and did a kind of a 90 degree. He tried to accelerate on the grass and spun out. He could not recover, maybe because... Maybe he just never got back in the mindset, but he came in, he ended up in P6. Gasly in P5. Big surprise is Ricardo in, in P4. I'd like John to comment on that as our resident uh, Ricardo expert. And then Leclerc is three. And then obviously the big shootout between Vettel and Hamilton. And Vettel came out on top. So before we get to Ricardo, Andrew, uh, instant reaction to Vettel as in P1. Yeah, I mean, I think it was uh, super happy that he did that. I think um, kind of the kind of the qualifying, hopefully the race that we've been looking for all year. Um, but kind of a piggyback on what we were just talking about. It was almost impossible to tell which Ferrari was was on that fast lap, and then when he actually we couldn't even see the screen. So just judging by the fan reaction, we kind of could assume that Vettel set the was it was P one, but it was hard to tell. Uh, I can comment on Ricardo. Uh, great uh, qualifying by Ricardo. I mean, he would have been, I, I would assume he would have been fifth or maybe sixth or seventh um, if uh, Max didn't get screwed. Um, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But, I mean, he. everyone knows he's a great driver. So, and I'm not surprised he put a good lap down. Uh, Renault is not a great car this year. So, good on him. Uh, makes me even more depressed that he left Red Bull, but uh, I always root for him, so that's what that is. Next the track. Yeah, he's good at this track. This is his first win ever, uh, way back when. when you got first, our first year here. Our first we, Grand Prix. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, spent the rest of the night drinking Red Bull vodkas to celebrate, which is certainly good for us. A um, few other notes. I think Gasly had a good session. I'm encouraging to see what he does tomorrow. Uh, Science was penalized for cutting off Albon, I think, earlier in the session. So he was penalized three spots. So I, he should be dropping down to, um, I think, 12th. It, the reason I'm con confused is because Magnussen, who was 10th, is now starting from the pit lane. So he's at the bottom. So Science is around 10, uh, sorry, 12, 13. Uh, Verstappen's now starting in P9, even though he qualified in P11. So some movement there. Should be setting up for a good race tomorrow. Um, yeah, any other notes, comments? Scott, do you have your two tours in a while? I don't, no. Wow. This is really disappointing. Um, you got to give me homework if you're going to have me on the pod. You got to think on your feet. <laughs> um, just came out. So I just, you know, hat tip to Charlie for um, getting us a resi at, what's the name of the place? Uh, ha. Ha, H-A, ha. Um, great dinner spot, small plates, shareables, Charlie orders the whole thing. Um, couldn't couldn't say enough about this restaurant. I highly recommend it next time you're in Montreal. Um, and looking forward to tomorrow's race. Sponsored by Ha. Sponsored by Ha. It's going to be higher tomorrow. Yeah, we're uh, in our old Montreal flat. We're above the Ferrari bar, so there's about 
eight Ferraris out front. Everybody loves revving their engine at all hours of the night. Testarossa. Yeah. So, um, quite a scene. I can't recommend Montreal enough, especially on this weekend. So, get yourself up here. Uh, support the pod. Uh, thanks for listening. Anything else? Bye. All right. That's nice. I thought so. Yeah, that's thoughtful. Was Rob in the game? Yeah. It's just quiet over there, huh? You can't see me? It's a little dark, but yeah. I can see you. you I was of, typing an email. You kind of blend in with your shirt there. It's like a little jungle theme. That's right. Got the nostril cam going today. <laughs> As always. Hmm, I'm really backlit. Maybe I'll uh, turn on some lights. What? What is that? Dessert? A little frozen Greek yogurt bar. Oh, dude. Pretty sure. Charlie looks nice today. Yeah, why are you so dressed up, dude? Uh, sales kickoff, bruh. <laughs> what a jockey. Biggest day of the, biggest day of the year. You guys, kick, you guys sell better in dress shirts? Not me. I just Rup. wanted to make a good impression with everybody. <laughs> Did you? I hope you... Truly... Truly middle management. I hope you came with I'm, a better attitude. I hope you came with I'm a better about, attitude than what you're displaying right now. I would love uh, it I, if Charlie walked around all day with a coffee mug. I shaked it, confirmed I shaked it enough that I, I was in good enough mood. So yeah. Nobody nobody knew I was seething underneath. <laughs> Your beard is Char- looking particularly red right now. Yeah, it's the lighting. Charlie's new thing at work, and I don't know if this is a pod discussion, is he just um, works on um, jigsaw puzzles all day actually that's a bizarre move i mean you can i mean you can talk about that it's apparent to everybody in the office that i'm working on those all day what do you does there just a table with the jigsaw puzzle on it and you just spend correct, all your time correct, correct. Yeah. do you know how many middle management calls i'm on where we do absolutely nothing <laughs> i need somebody to keep my mind busy on those oh while you're on calls you go over and Oh, look at that. And sometime when I'm not on calls. You know, sometimes when I'm just bored. Nice. Here, buddies. Johnny Juice Bomb. Sponsors? Quick sponsor? Uh, round table? Yeah, everyone says that, say they're sponsor. Uh, Winter Hill Brewing Company. Obvi. Yeti. Guinness Brewing. Yeti for me. What's in that Yeti, John? <clears throat> White wine. Nice. Okay, okay um... I don't know. This is a sufficient enough amount of banter. So let's officially launch the pod here. I know we've been recording for a while now. Part Welcome two. to 000043 part two. I think we're going to call it that. So not go on to another episode number. Part wouldn't um, be zero, sorry. Wouldn't it be 000043.5? Or point no, two. No, I'm a, I'm a part two. Don't okay. enter decimals. Uh, I like the decimal. I'm going to go with that. No. Um, I think we should call it point two, point one, and point two. Okay. I'm part, the admin of two. the page, so I'm gonna change it. Um, okay. So we are we have finished the Tour du Canada. We are back from the GP weekend in Montreal. Um, I'm Charlie. Uh, we've got John and Andrew obviously picking up. We have lost our special guest guest Scott, but we have our routine crew back together. So Rob, why don't you just uh, Take us a quick update of what you did this weekend, just so we can kind of have some continuity between the two pods. 
All right. Uh, so Friday night, while you guys were driving out to Montreal, all of the ladies got together. The ladies of F1 got together <clears throat> and um, left me with two little children to take care of. So that was my Friday night. Um, to be clear, your two little children, correct? Some, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess that is technically correct. Um, Saturday, uh, Annie and I moved a bunch of stuff out to uh, our new house in Fairfax Street in Newton. And um, then we wiled away the afternoon at uh, Don and Judy's house, you know, just resting our feet. Saturday morning, Sunday morning, we had a half trail half marathon that was just an absolute beast of a race out at Wachusett. And uh, for reference, it took me two and a half hours. A half marathon usually takes me a little bit more than one and a half hours. And at the end, I was just completely gassed. It's like felt ill, had to lie down for a while. So uh, then I took naps for the rest of the day. I slept during uh, part of the Grand Prix. I also fell asleep during the Bruins game. I was just running on fumes. Liz said she was concerned about you. She was right to be. When uh, my sister-in-law, Kate, saw me, she said, why don't you come with me? We're going to get you some fluids and have you cool down. Yeah, Carolyn was also concerned. Um, wow. Well, uh, <clears throat> hopefully they're all listening to this and can see that I am alive and well. <laughs> I appreciate the concern. Yep. What was so tough about this race? I think the length, I mean, if you're on your feet for two and a half hours, there were por portions <coughs> where you were using your hands, like climbing, bouldering, climbing up some really, really steep, steep stuff, which spiked your heart rate. Oh and even on the downhills, which should be easier on your heart rate, you know, you have to lower yourself from rock to rock and that just does a number on your quad so wow uh pretty technical very very difficult would you do it again yeah wow i'm that's actually my, that's my like, man right there i would like to train more and do one of the uh even longer distances like the marathon or the 50k why do you do there was this? also a 50 oh miler god what is what i think i gotta work up to that you like this the same day you did the half, there was a 50 miler. No, it was actually it was on Saturday, and it started at 5 a.m. and it took the winner nine hours. Oh my gosh! I mean, I, I don't. I was told that they almost buried you on the side of the mountain, and you're telling me you want to do <laughs> 50 miles? No, I want to work my way up. I'd like to do the marathon or the 50k, which is just a little bit more than a marathon. Okay. Wow. Uh, does someone on our crew that was in Montreal want to give a little recap of the rest of our... I think we left off after qualifying in the last pod. Yeah. Um, um, let, let's finish out life updates, actually, and then let's get into race day experience. Um, so, Andrew, why don't you talk about your little T experience, MBTA experience today? Oh, my God. It was an absolute nightmare. Um <clears throat> I woke up, Carolyn, as she often does, she will text me as she's going to the tea, a little tea update. And today she says that the, the red line was derailed. 
So obviously it's going to be an absolute dumpster fire. So I wait until I look, I look to get a lift at maybe 9.30 and it's $80 to get to my office. Or no, no oh. not even my office. To, if I wanted to get from my house to South Station, it would have been $80. No way. Yes. Supply and demand, yo. Exactly. So I waited until 10.30 and then it was only $30, but the tea was still completely just a, a wreck. May I ask a crazy question? Why, why not just work from home at that point? Um, I would have, but there were a couple meetings where I was supposed to be in the office for, and like, some people mm. were in the office that aren't usually there, so I thought it'd be best. Uh, yeah, but okay. you're, you're correct. Usually I would have. Then on the way home, I figured it would be fine. Uh, no, not the case. So still absolute mess coming home. I think it took me about an hour and a half, maybe an hour, 45 minutes. Usually it takes me 50. So I kind of feel your pain, guys, on this um, kind of like a, a Burlington commute maybe, but just, just terrible, just absolutely terrible. That's the second derailment in four days for the MBTA. Just want you to know. And uh, Carolyn, obviously, whenever there's an issue with the T, she takes to Twitter and starts fighting the good fight. So if you guys haven't seen it, I would check out some of her, her tweets. It's just, <laughs> she's, a real, she's a real warrior out there. So the, um, the drive this morning was no easy task either. I would say everybody was in an Uber, we picked up everything. So John and I were um, in the car for an hour and we addressed the ninety three ninety five interchange, and I guess there compound the problem. There was an accident on ninety five. The whole all of ninety five was backed up, so we were at that interchange. It was reading another forty to ninety five for a while, and then we just John decided to check Google Maps as opposed to Waze. Of course, Google Maps says continue straight on 93 North to like circle back through back roads. <coughs> and as soon as we make any way, it says, oh, we have a 15-minute uh, increase for you. That was otherwise. I think I'm off of ways. Um, and then one last commuter update. I, I'm predicting Redline is still out of service tomorrow. Could be. There, did you hear what they're going to try to do? They're going to take no. shut down, um, I think... Columbia Road from Dorchester Avenue to the Circle, get a crane in there and try to lift the train out. Oh, and if that gosh. doesn't work, then there's some alternate path that they might be able to do, but it would be way slower. Um, so Absolute is going to be a, 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 a wreck tomorrow, too. Just blow it up at this point. Drop a bomb on it. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, you have a point? Yeah, I have to say about the drive-in, I also drove to Burlington this morning. And because of the convenient DOT signage telling me it was going to be 14 minutes just to get to 95, I just took back roads immediately and uh, vectored directly northwest through Winchester. And it was you know, a little heavier than normal because I think people were getting off of 95, but kind of on you, have, you must have 20 more IQ points than Charlie and I combined. You know? <laughs> At least. It's a more um, enjoyable experience like that. Also, fact check. Oh, for sure. I mean, I love going through those leafy, leafy um, side roads. Uh, fact check. The Boston Globe is reporting that the red line is back up and running. It's up and running, but it's crawling. It's at a snail's pace. They 
uh, there are no signals working. So the driver has to stop at every stop and then be manually told that they can proceed. And at which point they can proceed at 10 miles an hour. Okay. So, um, the MBTA is saying plan for an additional 15 to 20 minutes of commuting time. That's just okay. there. Don't take, don't, I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot me. All right. That means um, an hour. Me, any, any life updates for you? I've got a camping yeah, trip I, this weekend. Yeah, I got an update. Um, I just wanted to give people a little update on uh, some of the drama that was admittedly my fault um, on the trip back from Montreal, but mm. just an update on that um, kind of snaps all around for me, actually, from, <laughs> from the crew. <laughs> That's the initial feedback, at least. Uh, everyone was very appreciative that, uh, A, I took one for the team and drove the whole way, which was um, a real mensch move by me. And then I can't wait uh, to debate this. Well, and, and then B, I mean, it, it did seem like everyone um, enjoyed their full day um, back, back at their respective apartments. Um, they thought they'd kind of have a throwaway day, maybe get back around five or, or later and, and then kind of have to, hustle to turn things around for Tuesday and Fine. just the way things worked out, it was um, kind of a, a win-win for everyone. So I just want to say, you know, people sometimes get worked up over things and are a little, little anxious and things always work out. That's all I wanted to say. So life update. <laughs> you done? You done? <laughs> uh, oh, one more quick update. Um, I think on a previous pod, I said uh, Liz and I were getting our dog on July 7th. That's been moved up one day. So uh, just a quick update there. Uh, do you have a name for him? Uh, Rob. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> First name Fine. Rob, middle name Charlie. <laughs> a very nice name. Um, okay, so let's get into the race here. The three of us plus Scott, me, Andrew, John, plus Scott, um, obviously we kept qualifying. Sunday was a lovely day. It was projected to be searing heat. Um, so we got, we what? had a lovely. 25, crepe, 29? Uh, 29 degrees. Wow. We had a lovely crepe uh, breakfast. We, we each had our savory crepes and then we shared a, uh, I mean, a, Salted crepe, then we had shared a savory crepe at the end. It was just delightful. Awesome. So then we went over to the Metro. Terrific system. As Andrew says, if you really want to see a city, you got to ride the Metro. So we took the Metro over to the track. Um, packed. 100,000 100, at least there. Um, we sat by the water again and kind of got ready, mentally prepared for the, the race and sitting in the stands, the crowded hot stands. But so that means you guys had beers out, the, by the water? Yeah, we had beers by the water, um, but different water, of, right? Man, everybody was still food because you were going a different yeah. way than last year. What? Wa yeah, what water did you sit by? We were down at in Grandstand 15 of the hairpin turn. I'm not sure the exact turn number. So we we sat along the old because it was built for the Olympics by the old uh, rowing channel. You know where they have the yes. Uh, the boats taking people from the paddock down to that kind of uh, staging area. Um, so we sat there. Then we went up to the stands for the race. I'd say to get in to start to get into the race experience a, li a little bit. Um, kind of some of the same complaints from Saturday. It's it was tough to follow what was happening during the race because the TV wasn't big enough and you couldn't really hear 
John had the BBC broadcast in his ear, which sounded pretty nice. So if you ever go to a race, I would recommend um, having that ability. The race got off to a pretty ho-hum start. (laughs) Um, Can't remember really too many super exciting moments during the race, obviously, except for (coughs) the Vettel penalty, which we'll get to some point in the pod here but andrew john like what was your race day experience i i, I gotta say I, I don't think it's a great experience from the stands i love being in montreal for the weekend and love the thought of it but the actual watching the race is kind of disappointing wow yeah um i mean i, I love going to the race what i'll say is getting up to the stands can be a bear um Example, on Saturday, I, I dumped half the cooler of ice onto a woman in front of us, uh, which was embarrassing for me. Um, and she didn't appreciate that too much. But once you're out there, um, I enjoy it. I like seeing the cars in person, and I did have my radio in my ear, so that, that helped. So, John, how did you get that radio? Would you streaming it off your phone? Yeah, I have a Sirius XM membership, so I streamed it off my phone. Downside is it's uh, about a lap delayed. So, um, you know, pros and cons. Well, so for other people who are interested in doing something like that, um, you're international. Did you have have unlimited international data for that kind of streaming? Yeah, I have an international plan. I, I think you they give you the same high-speed data for a gig or half a gig, and then after that, they throttle you a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it worked out pretty well. Good to well. know, though. Good to know. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. what Charlie's saying. <clears throat> um, I do think on race day, we did it much better than on qualifying day. So on race day, we went immediately to the water, relaxed, had a couple beers, avoided the sun. And then we made our way just before the start of the race to the stands. I think that helped a lot. I would say this might be a hot take. If I were to do it, even though you do have to buy all three days, I think you skip qualifying on the track. You watch it at a bar where you can really see all of the the cars and where they stand. And then you just go to race day at the track. Um, Go ahead. I'd like to respond to that because I think that qualifying on TV is actually not that exciting because the cars aren't racing each other. And um, so I'll say that. I would say qualifying is definitely there to see cars that are fastest. Yeah, I think the maybe it's just where we're sitting, but the issue that I had was that it was almost impossible to tell who was who was on the who was on pole. I think qualifying the most exciting part is at the end of q3 usually after the checkered flag or the time is up and now you just have like six cars coming in and it's like who's gonna be there and if you can't see that monitor you have absolutely no idea what's going on so Um, didn't didn't last year didn't we have a much better sense of what was going on with the monitors at the turn i think the screen was bigger and it was it was closer, whereas this time mm. it was farther away and it seemed like a pretty small screen. So uh-huh. that, that was an okay. issue. Um, the, the number one problem with our seats was the screen size. You could yes. not see any of that information, Rob. So I agree Got with it. you. It's Yes, it is more exciting, but if you have no idea where these cars are, it's just it, there's no context. <laughs> like You can't tell. 
Yep. So I'm looking at the website for the Grand Prix, and it's saying that you are allowed to bring in radios, and it shows t- gives you two FM channels that will have the official race radio. So maybe that's the solution for next year. Oh, f us. Okay, that'd be good to know. Yeah. And we all know Charlie has um, an internal temperature problem, so I think that was a little bit of the issue. Um, are the- we talking metaphorically or literally? Both. I was actually well prepared. I, I my hat. I was smothered in sunscreen. I had my fly fishing shirt that Rob gave me for my birthday, which kept me uh, out of the sun while not overheating me. Long sleeve hoodie. Terrific. Great, great birthday idea for me next year would be a fly fishing shirt. Okay. I was going to get yeah. you a uh, one. Ferrari um, long sleeve zip up, but if you want the fly fishing shirt, that's fine. I was going to get you absurdly tight red Ferrari pants. Listen, guys, I don't need only one thing. I, you know, three is fine too. <laughs> I was going to get you the Bonatti glasses. <laughs> okay. Keep it Those coming. are sweet. <laughs> Sounds like I have a great <laughs> birthday coming up. <laughs> so, Rob, what, what was your experience from the couch for race day? Uh, so I watched the first 10 laps and I... <clears throat> frankly i thought it was kind of a snoozer like what the hell okay nothing's happening you know the, there is a fair amount of passing in montreal just because it's such a power circuit so they, they sorted themselves out and then i fell asleep because i was so tired from my race <laughs> um i woke up just as vettel was getting a five second penalty handed to him so then i just rewound a little bit and saw what happened um <laughs> But I don't think I missed anything from the time I fell asleep on lap 10 until lap 48 when I woke back up. Wow. You're probably right. I mean, there were some like exciting points. So lap one, Verstappen comes bulldozed temporary. No, one of the um, no, signs. One of the McLarens. Yeah, one of the McLarens temporary. No, it was Norris. It was Norris. It was Norris. Okay. All right, Norris on the back. Norris got him back. Yeah, right so that, I mean, there were like some exciting points like that. Um, to talk about the race in general, I thought um, as much as we rip on him, I think we have to do a little bit of a hat <coughs> to, to Lance Stroll from coming mm-hmm. like sixteenth to ninth. I mean, I think. Yeah. Um, so he had a a really nice result in race. Uh, Verstappen went from ninth to fifth. I, I think. I think that's pretty nice to get past both Renaults and McLarens, even though he has a better car. Um, Gasly, I think we could probably like, shit on him for a car because that was a terrible race. He dropped from, what, fifth to ninth, eighth? He, he's terrible. Let, um, let me jump in for a second and ask you guys, did you see a lot of passing at the hairpin? I mean, traditionally, that's been a big breaking zone passing point. But from my viewpoint on the couch, it looked like most of the passing was on uh, on the long DRS straight heading into the chicane that ends at the wall of champions. That's where it yes. looked like almost all of the passing took place. And I don't think there are any grandstands there. So was the, was the hairpin devalued this year because DRS is too powerful? There were some uh, good lockups that were, I mean, that was it though. There was no passing. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, no passing. The lockups were exciting. The, the one thing I would say pro hairpin was on the exit, you could, and this is going to sound lame now that I'm about to say it out loud, you could tell if it was going to be a pass down the straight, but you never saw the pass. So it was mm-hmm. like kind of exciting to see how close they were coming out of that exit. Yeah. Um, and it is a cool vantage point because you just see how 
powerful those cars are going from very slow to very quickly uh, in such a short amount of distance. Yeah. But yeah, not much action. Yeah. I mean, it is cool yeah. to see them. They're coming in their soup. Sorry, John. They're going in their super fast into that turn, brake extremely hard, and then are literally back at top speed within, you know, a split second. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I was going to say, I think like uh, viewers on the TV here, like understeer, oversteer, you know, um, and like tires and control and that sort of thing. And our vantage point, you could kind of see that in action, I thought. Like you could see the driver struggle to keep it in check, which you don't really see that on the TV. So I thought it was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've buried the lead enough here, Rob, because you had the best vantage points even though we've all done reading on it can you walk us through well, well you slept through it never mind no Andrew, can no, you no, walk I, us through the uh <laughs> no because i watched it so many times on replay they showed it a bazillion times on the on the because it's the only thing that happened yeah right, walk us through it <laughs> so um that'll i think it was that turn the three four chicane or was it the eight nine chicane no it was three four because there's no grand stand there three four it was a um vettel just kind of started turning to the right his uh lost his rear rear started stepping out so it like started sliding he was oversteer turn your rear has been known to step out too so let's not throw shade yeah well <laughs> you'll let me finish the story i'm not throwing any shade <clears throat> um and so vettel had to stop turning and just like kind of let the car go through the grass. And he was actually <laughs> lucky not to hit the barrier on the left. Um, and he kind of went through the grass and came back out on the track, cutting from left side to the right side, which is, I don't know how to describe it. It was a right left chicane. So he kind of just cut the chicane. Um, and Hamilton saw that he was on the grass and was trying to pass him on the right side, but Vettel like squeezed him up against the wall. Hamilton had to break to avoid an accident. And um, that was that. Um, the, uh, let me also say what, what people said about the incident. Um, the, as soon as they came up and said five second penalty for rejoining the track in an unsafe manner, which I guess technically it was. He did rejoin the track after going off of it. And it what lap are we talking about right 48, now? I believe. Yeah. Okay. And they gave the penalty at 51? No, it was more like 10 laps later. Yeah. Oh, shoot. All right, so 58 um, of 70. And so I think Vettel did violate the regulation as it's written. He gave, rejoined the track, and it was unsafe in that he basically cut across the track left to right, and made it a passing attempted overtake or have to slam on the brakes. Um, but what I saw and what most people, most of the commentators said was he really was not in control of the car. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't an option to do anything else. Now I've read some commentary after that, that said, yes, he did have to come onto the track, um, and he wasn't in control, but then he did gain control. And then uh, he did go over to the right more than he needed to. He could have controlled it a little bit better than he did. And you know what? I think that there's probably sub. My guess is that subconsciously he did block the track 
a little bit. And he probably, if he, if, if he knew like, Hey, I'm going to die. If I don't control this, I think he could have kept it more to the left. That's my, that's my take. I think the penalty was a little ham handed though. I, I'll go. Yeah. On that go yeah. I mean, here's my take. I personally would not have given him a penalty if I was a steward. Cause I like hard racing. I like they're going at it. Having said that, he clearly made a mistake. Under pressure, he did not control his car. So him losing a spot to me is is fair. So I, I wouldn't have handed it out, but I'm fine with the penalty. Yeah, I um you know, I was pretty fired up at the time. I think you guys all knew that. Couldn't believe it. Shocked. Well crying. Dismayed. Crying fired up. Uh yeah, that was that was bad. Not my best moment. But I think I've come to terms a little bit with the decision. I think what I saw I also read some commentary passed on by Rob other other places I read. They they were actually saying the stewards are kind of have their hands tied because the drivers wanted the rules so cut and dry that they have no wiggle room. So it's like that's the rule. They have to call it like that, and uh, and that's part of the reason why there's a penalty. I will say that there were some points made um, about the way Vettel regained the track, and the main reasons they gave him the penalty was because they thought that, one, he was looking in his rear-view mirrors, or side-view mirrors, um, as he came back on, and then also that he made some kind of turn to the right to block off, and I just rewatched it a bunch of times, and I don't see that at all. So I'm still pretty on the side of I don't think a penalty was deserved. I think he did re- rejoin the track a little unsafely. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I agree with the announcers. Like that was racing. That was a racing incident. Uh, he didn't hit into Hamilton. And um, at the end of the day, he kind of like just defended the corner, really. Like if Hamilton was passing him and he did the same thing, that would have been fine. No penalty. So... Just let him go. It was just a little. It was it was disappointing to see a race decided that way. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I not too much to add here. I but I totally agree. It's after after the weekend. Looking back on it, I think I kind of I understand it. Like at the racetrack, Vettel really have a nice race obviously with the one mistake it was a mistake it just seemed it just seemed too much at the time um especially with the limited viewpoint so i I would say the whole the whole feeling at the racetrack unless you're a hamilton fan was pretty sour and everybody was kind of upset about like we watched a good race and now it's kind of been tainted by this um i did love i did love vettel moving the first place and second place signs um i i like the emotion i want to see emotional vettel because that i think that means he's in it and like pushing things and getting crazy although i think he can could lead to some mistakes but i, I like emotional vettel you know where we saw emotional vettel <coughs> 2016 love that 2017 if he's yeah. not emotional then he's not trying i i, I totally agree with hey john could you uh lay off in the paperwork <laughs> sorry what are you doing origami there <laughs> um i yeah i agree with everything charlie just said i think the the mood at the track was just overwhelmingly negative in fact you could hear them basically booing lewis um 
it was pretty, it was actually pretty, pretty incredible to, to see the reaction to that. And then, um, I also love the way Vettel reacted to let that. Let me interrupt you a second. I need to, I need to, Ty has knocked over his food and now Lexi's going to go eat it. Nice. It's like the two of them are doing some kind of cahoots thing. I'll be right back. Okay. Can Tack carry on? <clears throat> I think what um, Sebastian, the way he reacted really shows that, I think he's trying to dispel all those rumors about him wanting to retire. He, I think after this race especially, you guys see he is very much invested, very involved, and wants to win, and he still has that passion. Yeah. All right. I, I, I think it's a good sign of, of what's to come. So. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Any um, for Ferrari, uh, I don't know if it's just because it's such a power track that they really outkick the coverage, so to speak. Um, whether they, but they looked, they looked like they had a good car, and I hope that keeps up. I hope they find some magic in turns because they've got a, they have the, the fastest car on a straight line yeah they look they look no doubt darn good straight line speed can i do um uh can i do our our friend starts with a t gambling update low t yes low t yeah so um i don't i still want to give his identity away but he uh some in some i thought it was a she he slash she it doesn't matter gender neutral yeah gender neutral Uh, they, in some circles, they go by low T. So if that gives it away, I'm sorry uh, to you. But uh, he put down three bets. One, Lewis to win. That was bet number one. Bet number two, Max to finish in the top three. Mm. And bet number three, Grosjean to be the first to retire. Those are his three bets. I love the third bet. Yeah. um, He obviously only hit on... Lewis winning and just barely too, obviously that's from Vettel. It's penalty. He came out forty dollars ahead on the weekend, so he's you know slowly making back all the money he's lost previously. So good on you, Low T. You should have taken Rob's advice uh, two weekends ago when he told you to you know get a second and third mortgage taken out on on your house. If you have one and, and bet that on Lewis, you did not do that. So, um, but good oh, on gee, you for never doubt years. me. Yeah. I would say right. a uh, safe bet for France is going to be Lewis Hamilton. My least favorite track of the season, just FYI. <laughs> do we know anything about it? I mean, any highlights or is it, I think we said it was very topographically boring, Rob, is that correct? Super flat because <clears throat> it's at the top. It's an old airfield. So like I don't know, they scraped off the top of a it's like a, a mesa plateau. Uh you can't see shit. Go on a take go on F1.com, Formula1.com and do a virtual lap and tell me you can see the entrances or access to any turns. I mean it's ridiculous. But I think is what I don't like about it is the everything is asphalt there's no gravel or grass runoff everything is asphalt and then painted with the blue and red which makes everything it's like a camouflage of the course um so i i agree everything looks the same yeah it's poor poor design guys i've got a question i'm looking at a um satellite image of the montreal track right now and were you guys sitting on the rowing basin Yes. yes 
Because I don't see any trees. It looks like it's pretty exposed. They're under correct. the... Um, yeah, there was a... I thought you were trying to pavilion, stay out of the sun. The pavilion oh. area offered some a little... Like, there was a... This, oh. this, the old grandstands for the racing... Uh, the, the rowing... Because okay. I thought where little, we had beers see. last year was just delightful by that little pond under the trees. That was nice. Yeah, but it was a three-mile hike to get to that. <laughs> Let me tell you, Rob. It gets longer gonna, every we, time we you face, talk about we it. We face an uphill battle getting those seats again next year because John and Andrew do not like that walk. <laughs> that walk is brutal, dude. I, I heard I heard about that walk 10 times over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, by the time we try to buy tickets next year, it's going to be like a 30K death march. It was a 30K death. I mean, that's what we faced. Maybe maybe we could get you um, like a little motorized scooter. I don't. I'll tell you, they, this those much. might be allowed in at that point. The walk from the metro to our seats was was delightful. Very short. I will say, I think the that little oasis of grass and trees was very nice last year. Once we got there, we knew we were halfway there. We could take a rest with the beer pack. <laughs> that was great. But it was a very long walk, and I don't think that I can do that every single year. But hey, I go every year. Oh, I don't know about you. How old are you? I go every year. I don't know about you. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll save this conversation for uh, season 2020. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we've been going on for a while. Any uh, last thoughts? Just a great uh, racing or otherwise. Oh, yeah. Just a great uh, weekend. One, one for me. I, I thought it'd be fun. You know, post-race, I don't think most people see this, but it, it is pretty fun post-race. You kind of, um, everyone kind of pours onto the track. We uh, jumped through one of the, like, small openings and the track fence where you see people sticking their uh, cameras and went through those um, kind of barrel roll style and then walk the track. Um, and uh, that's fun. You pick you, up so some you, rubber. You guys got on the track right at the hairpin there? Yep. Yep. Cool. Yep, light up some stogies, walk to the casino. Some of us did better at the casino than others. I won't say who those people were. Uh, I was one who did better. I, I will tell you Andrew, one of them. Andrew was I one lost, who did better. Oh, yeah. let's let people guess. I lost $100 oh, in, in two minutes. Two minutes. I, two minutes. <laughs> Jeez, How much was... were you betting? It was a $25 minimum. Oh, my god. So what gosh. happened was, what happened is. It's Canadian, they're, they're, so. They're, yeah, yeah, it's Canadian, true. so it doesn't really matter. They were flashing $5 signs like all over the place. So Scott and I sit down and then of course the guy like immediately corrects us. He goes, Oh no, the $5 for like the fire bet. Like if you get blackjack on immediate, it's like, of course the minimum is 25 over, look over here. And then we sat down we were sitting down and we didn't want to like jackasses and get up. So, <laughs> so, so Charlie was gone for literally, uh, he's not joking. He was away for five. John and I pooled our money, hit the roulette table. Like we always do. Uh, our loyal listeners will remember that we were robbed, uh, robbed viciously a couple Liter- years ago. Literally <laughs> at the roulette table, we went right back, and pulled, not by the casino, by another patron. By another patron, robbed us blind. Um, we went back there, pulled our money, went on an absolute heater. We must have hit. I I don't even want to say how many bets, but anyway, yeah. Two minutes later, Charlie comes back, <laughs> lost it all. <laughs> we're like, how did that happen, Charlie? What were you? Pl- you were you were playing? Uh, trying to play. Uh... Blackjack. 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 Oh. Blackjack. John and I were up, I would say a good, I don't know, three, 
three units. <laughs> and, yeah, and at one point we were up three units. Yeah. We put a big bet down, thought we would just double it and just walk off like absolute kings, and then we lost that one. But we still managed to <laughs> walk away, walk away <laughs> walk on the kings. <laughs> All right. Um, I spent my weekend because I didn't get to go to Montreal and spend a bunch of money. I bought a, a new hat and a couple shirts. So that's how I, you know, the more domestic, more domestic weekend. What kind of shirts? Um, a couple from the Jay Peterman catalog. <laughs> I was really inspired by the write-up. I just couldn't resist. Oh, I would like to say Charlie and I were shopping for cigars at Total Wine, and the write-ups they have on these cigars are similar to the Jay <laughs> Peterman catalog. We, They're terrific. We, and and the other thing, we bought what they claimed were um, mild to semi-mild or whatever. I swear to you, this was the most full-body cigar I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I, I was I was floored after um, having it. It's crazy. We're, we're standing outside the casino. John goes, I wasn't going to bet before the cigar, but now that I'm done, <laughs> giddy up. <laughs> Guys, um, I'm going to do a quick... Um, uh, I'm going to do a blog post on our website, um, just comparing the walks to the various grandstands. So look for that as a little bonus from me. <laughs> Can't wait. Very good. Okay. Not wait. All right. Good stuff. Um, quickly, we got the French Grand Prix coming up, and then we have a, a Grand Prix the weekend after, immediately after the French Grand Prix. So uh, those are always fun, two in a row. Should we give Low T any betting tips for the French Grand Prix besides bet bet on Lewis? I mean, yeah, we should. Um, Grosjean's home track. What what are we thinking? He will somehow shit the bed. Agreed. Um, I think that I was I was gonna just do a little. I know we're running short on time, but the Renault engines. Canada is one of the biggest power tracks on the of the year, and the Renault engine looked good in qualifying. Um, I have France is France has long straights too, so you know if there's ever a time to go Ferrari, or you know if you want to get down into the weeds a little bit, Renault and, and throw some kind of like long shot bets on you know, Renault or McLaren, I would say France is not a bad place to do it. Good tip. That's a good, good tip. tip. What about here's another bet to throw what about an emotional letdown from vettel just like a leclerc leclerc beats vettel next race oh come on why, why do you have to do that okay fine oh, i would I mean, uh i would agree with you there i think leclerc leclerc. Beats, yeah i think he beats him fine yeah <laughs> what what race is after france anyone know uh, i think uh silverstone, silverstone maybe yeah i got it in my oh, gmail calendar All right. You guys could be. You guys could be right. I don't know. Whatever. Good stuff. Oh, it's Austria. Austria. <laughs> All right, Austria. The, the best topography out there, Rob. So you should love that track. Yes, I I do. I think Spa and Austria are very fun tracks. Great. Okay. Go bees. Big go, cup. Yeah, big uh, must win. Must win game tomorrow night. Absolutely. It's definitely a must-win for both First teams. First game seven in Boston ever for the Bees. Whoa. Oh, whoa. I mean, 
last game seven, I watched it with the three of you. And they won, so. We did? Oh, I was going to ask, anyone want to get a game watch? We watched it Peter, bro. We, we didn't? I would watch yeah, it. Yeah, we watched it Peterborough. The four of us were in Peterborough? Peterborough Street. Oh. oh. Uh, yeah, let's get a game watch together then. That sounds like good good juju. I'm a big juju guy. Let's do it. Let me know what's, what's happening and uh, I'll see if my children will let me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Peace. See you guys. Ciao. <laughs>